0: And welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton, and this is the show where we roll up our sleeves and get really stuck into people's personal stories. This week, we meet the lovely Miles and Giles, the founders of Mindful Chef. It's hard, like, it isn't easy. Definitely been times, you know,
1: where we've probably left each other's company and been like, oh god's sake <laughs> oh, you know yeah, this guy right. yeah what a De- definitely yeah well all right you said it fun but um...
0: <laughs> these chaps are super interesting and the journey of getting their business started has all the twists and turns and ups and downs that you would definitely imagine
1: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: and thank you so much for popping around to the house um I love what what you're doing and I and from the minute I heard about you guys I just thought what a brilliant setup and a great idea let's talk about you guys first and, and how you kind of got to this point where you're running this massively successful business mindful chef so first of all how do you know each other <laughs> do you want to take that
2: one yeah we went to school together in Devon um we were a couple of years apart weren't we yeah. Um, so we went to school to um And spent pretty much From the age of I guess 11 In fact I remember seeing you Because Miles has got Two older brothers And I remember seeing Miles As the, the school At a prep school And I remember seeing this Cheeky little Little chappy In a <laughs> I think Did we wear caps? In the prep school? Uh, in, yeah, in yeah. the school before, yeah. um, but- And yeah, I remember seeing this cheeky little chappy with a bit of a swagger um, mm-hmm. when I must have been maybe 11 and Miles was 10 or something. And it was quite, I was like, oh, here he is. and uh- yeah, I had no idea who he was, to be yeah. honest. So.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so did you realise that as kids, because we all kind of take whatever we're going through for granted or it's just the norm did you realize wow you know we are nearby to farms we are eating locally grown produce did you kind of have an understanding of that as kids
2: I mean yes and no I do definitely appreciate it because you know you're growing up near beaches on the countryside and there's lots of you know, lots of our friends were farmers, etc. So you'd you'd kind of appreciate it. But I remember going, went off to uni, age 18, 19. And I remember someone at uni, um, I went to the Midlands. And so there weren't many people from the West Country who went to that uh, the uni that I went to, which was Loughborough. And I remember someone saying in like the week one going, oh, you're from Devon. Oh, that must be absolutely lush down there. And being really fixated by how beautiful Devon was and how... um, how great it was, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it it is." But mm. if, I suppose if you spend your whole
1: childhood there, you you probably take a bit of it for granted. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was just normal, you know. I we didn't go. Um, you know we didn't have lots of money growing up we didn't go away every single year or we didn't go away that much at all actually we'd spend our summers just in a tent or a caravan you know in Cornwall which I would have it no other way to be honest we'd go down for six weeks whatever it was my mum would come my dad would stay um, sort of at home working and then you know you just I'd be running around I'm lucky I've got two older brothers, a sister so you can imagine sort of the chaos that ensues parents Mm. you know what it's like you just go right open up the caravan or the tent and you just go go
0: yeah but when the the sun's out that's the best thing that you can just let kids roam free that's such a, a beautiful way to to grow up so whose idea was this who said right first of all i've had an idea and secondly let's do this together
2: so we we had chatted about loads of ideas and um obviously met up from time to time in london and then it was on a fishing boat in devon friend's fishing boat kind of small small day boat um this little um village called Limpston, which is near Exeter where we grew up and we were down there one summer in 2014 Mm -hmm. and um, basically we had been chatting about ideas and you know kind of how you're you're working in a at the time Milo actually was probably really enjoying life because he was self-employed and I was working for a big company M&C Saatchi um, and you're always thinking about what you can do next and challenges and the kind of I think we both probably had that entrepreneurial kind of Desire, but yeah. you just never knew. You know, didn't have a, a great idea immediately, and it, it often takes time to come to you. And then we were down um, in Devon on on the fishing boat, helping mates, um, and basically the, fi- the fish would be caught, and um, you'd go out for a few hours, come back in, and they and they used to text the local villagers. So they used to send an SMS to three four hundred people and would just say, "This is what we've got in the catch today." As they come back in, really really basic. How um, You know, whatever whatever they had that day, send a text, and then they would land put the fish on ice, and the villagers would literally be lining up at the dock, ready to ready to buy whatever there was, as fresh as you like. Wow. And that was the kind of, I guess, the light bulb moment that said, oh, okay, this is quite cool. You can cut out the big old supply chains that currently exist, Ooh. and if you could replicate this on a broader scale, obviously... Um, it was amazing watching it in one tiny village, but how can you take that on a broader scale? And that's kind of what us got what got us chatting and thinking about how we could take it a little further afield, I guess.
0: Wow. So what you know? What are the steps then? So you've you've had this idea that you you grew up understanding that locally sourced food had benefited you, and that it was also benefiting your local community and also the farmers and helping them stay independent and be able to do something that they love and do it well but then how do you take that idea and actually turn it into reality what what were the steps I'm sure it was a laborious process at times but how How did it work yeah it's
1: quite difficult actually in the beginning it's um you know when you go and ask a farmer for 10 steaks or you know you go and say oh, I need 10 lots of kale or spinach or whatever it might be, you know, they kind of laugh in your face and go, well, (laughs) this isn't really worth my time. So, you know, we drive around... Devon going to all these different sort of suppliers and producers and we'd go and tell them what we are trying to achieve and what our sort of goals were and our mission was. And, you know, you get a lot of no's and then you get the occasional yes. And then you go, okay, well, and they sort of believe in your idea and they go, okay, well, the, maybe we can grow with these guys. They're going to maybe go somewhere, get somewhere. And, and that's sort of how you start is you just go and find people who will supply you. You know, all of our... Um, f- suppliers in the early days were all from the west country where we grew up around you know Devon down in Cornwall um sort of all the fishermen things and um and that's how you start you just find the suppliers and then got a tiny little warehouse sort of no bigger than probably half the size of this room <laughs> um and you know uh first boxes went to family and friends really and the first like people who came to help were family and friends you know so it was it was nice in a sort of in one respect that that sort of always maintained throughout sort of the team and the culture as well is. We always say, you know, first employees, first first customers, we're all family and friends, and that's how we want to treat everyone as we sort of move on as well. So it's quite a nice feeling.
0: Oh you've done that. I got I got a sense of that as soon as I met you guys, that it all just felt very friendly and personal. And I think that's difficult with a company as big as yours now and as successful as it is. So so in those early days was the setup the same as it is now? Were you kind of preparing meals that people could then make at home? Did you did you start, start out like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slightly different. We've sort of managed to expand the range and things like that now, but it was, um, and it was very much an MVP, wasn't it, Giles? What's MVP? It, essentially, it's just a fancy word for minimal viable product. So, so what can you do the least amount of work get it out the door and just test it and see if it works. I think we do 16 recipes now. In the early days, we did three recipes. There was no choice whatsoever. You got what you got, what you were given, you know, um, and it was very much, let's just try this and see if it works. It's important to remember, not only was like the mission, okay, we're going to use these amazing local suppliers, but it was also, how can we be different? What's really important to us? As Jar said, I was self-employed. I was a, a personal trainer, nutritional coach, and really um, with is like sort of, interest in sports as well we've always been interested in healthy eating as well and you know that's a pain point for a lot of people is i don't know what healthy eating is or i can't be bothered to shop for it or i think it's really boring so you know we're like can we make healthy eating really like easy but also really delicious for people as well and and sort of that's just how we started it and we thought will anyone actually like this will anyone buy it and it was very much let's just get boxes out of the door and see
2: the toughest points would have been um we were still doing all the packing of the boxes ourselves um now we've got to a point where um we work with a really good third party who who have a huge um uh food distribution hub in the midlands but when it was ours our, ourselves tiny warehouse in london and um, we were still delivering with a little van and using a courier as well we got home and i remember it was around november of that first year because it was around the a black black friday was just coming in in kind of 2015 it was just becoming popular and um we had done our drops, and there was a load of courier boxes going out. And I remember getting home, and it was just Miles and I shared the customer service responsibility on the phones and the emails. And I remember logging onto emails and going and being really knackered and being like, "Oh my goodness, there's so many emails coming in, like way more than usual from customers," and the phone was going off the hook. And it turned out that um, one of our couriers, um, who's sure a name. Uh, remain nameless Um, they had just really underestimated Black Friday in general for all their other clients you know like Amazon etc and they had been deluged and obviously something has to give haven't got enough drivers on the roads etc and they had just left something like 200 of our boxes were just not going to go out that day as as promised to customers so you get customers on Sunday and rightly so they've paid for this produce to arrive for their dinner and you've got mums ringing up going where's my box and I was then... We didn't have a customer service team and I was then ringing our uh, account manager at the Courier going, w- what's happened? I've got... Lo- my f- mobile's going off the hook and they said, we're really sorry. The boxes aren't going to go out. They, they might go out tomorrow. And I was like, what do you mean they might go out? And so I was basically up until something like one thirty in the morning just receiving calls and just apologising and saying, I'm really sorry. And some people, are, some people are saying, I haven't got anything else in my house. The local Tesco's closed. And, you're, and you feel really bad. And I remember just thinking goodness me this is this like this is beyond our control um someone else has messed up but i'm trying to fix this myself and obviously milo is helping out in the inbox
1: (laughs) Um, whose idea was fresh food
0: should have done done a toothbrush (laughs) i feel stressed out listening to this story i'm i'm panicked at the thought of that inbox and the responses i mean it's a huge responsibility to take something like that on
2: yeah and you just you just kind of you get through it and then we got most of the box out the next day, and you send a kind of a handwritten apology note and, um, you try and turn things around. And I think that, that's what's good, that's what's good about being a small business. Um, and mo, to be honest, most customers the next day when you, when they reply to emails, etc cetera, like, look, guys, don't worry, I understand you're small, I understand it was a courier's fault. Um, but yeah, you do, though, that was probably a pretty tough time because, um, you're knackered from the day of packing anyway. And I think you, you do, a, you you really appreciate having a having a weekend um in most jobs when you go through that that journey and i think just having a one day just a sunday just to be able to kind of reset mentally as well as of, as well as physically and then be able to come back on a on a monday morning fresh ready to go um yeah you can't that that counts for a lot
0: mm, it does my god i think it really and i think because we're all getting so much more fast paced people are neglecting that time out slightly or you know just aren't having any and it's that is tough for a human to be able to to take that on and, and cope it's a lot what is healthy eating to you how did you make that decision that you know you had a kind of baseline ethos as to what that would mean for you and your recipes
2: I think in the early days we were one of the reasons for starting it was the challenge of working working long hours getting home late um and we actually said this in our first crowdfunding video it was all about i was you know you get home at like eight or nine after a um a pretty busy day and you would just reach for the same thing on the supermarket shelf every day it it wouldn't necessarily be that bad for you it would be just loads of pasta loads of bread loads of white rice loads of refined carbs which are fine in moderation but I was finding particularly, and obviously Milo was a um, nutritionist, personal trainer, so he knew his stuff and was was really on it. But he obviously saw it with his clients, um, people struggling, needing help. And um, I just thought, do you know what? If you can cut out a little bit of all these processed refined carbs, um, not like a kind of, we're not like gluten-free warriors, but just cut out a few nights of it and have some some more veg, some more protein, um, introduce more of them into your diet, I think it can provide some balance for you and so that was our whole ethos initially was let's remove any processed refined carbs um just put in loads of good veg loads of protein and see where it goes from there and it and our hunch was that people because i think people view their week in a, in a kind of credit and debit system you kind of mm. you get to the weekend you go out you have some pizzas some burgers some pasta whatever it is um you have a few drinks and then monday comes around you go back to work and you think Right, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to try and be a bit healthier this week. And so we were like, well, let's help people reset a little bit and just get a bit of balance. So that was the kind of initial founding idea behind um what we had removed from the from the recipes. Mm,
0: and I guess also um instilling that thought that, you know, it's about essentially feeling better. It's not, you know, there's no other goal apart from, you know, this is going to make you feel good. This is vibrant Lovely. That's what I've got when I've, whenever I've been with you guys or I've cooked with you, that it's all about what that's going to do for your system, how that's going to fuel you. Because, you know, much like you sort of in my twenties, I would work these crazy long days and then I would often end up in the pub next door to where I was filming and have like a vodka and chips and call that dinner and go, yeah, great. And equally in the morning, it would be like a coffee and some biscuits. Like you just sort of were running on whatever was there. And I think you do realise, especially after you kind of hit 30 and onwards, that that's not sustainable and you don't feel good. And it is about fueling your body to just have energy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've always stated, you know, this isn't some sort of diet delivery yeah. service it is really you know the the clues in the name it's called mindful chef trying to be mindful of suppliers ingredients of customers of how you feel it's it's kind of like there's a big shift now isn't there in health and wellness anyway it's no longer um just you know prescriptive once you get ill and you know everyone's trying to actually preventative in the Absolutely. first place and just i think we really or generations past have really taken for granted how much of a benefit food can have on like sort of what you're saying just on feeling better and why why wouldn't you want to wake up each day and actually feel feel good and feel energized and ready to really tackle the day head on and Mm. at the end of the day feel great as well and you know that to me i just think food plays a huge part in that and if we're able to just help people a little bit for a couple of days of the week that doesn't mean that you you know you go on like Jar says to becoming some sort of wellness warrior one hundred percent of the time because for most of us that just isn't a reality with life life just gets in Mm. gets in the way or throws you a curveball but um you know just trying to find a bit more balance i think um and helping people that's what people are sort of after
0: Well, two things. First of all, just the power of food and eat and making tiny, you know, changes or making choices that will benefit you, and also the kind of body mind connection. We still see our brains sort of floating around, detached from our own body, and it's like, of course, if you are fueling your body correctly, everything's, you know, your brain is part of that. It's all going to work more efficiently, and you're you you know, you will just feel better it's quite it's quite simple
1: yeah and here's here's the really cool part about cooking that I like and sort of recipe boxes is that whole element of cooking you know lots and lots of our friends before we started and still actually some of them um, you know they're ordering whatever sort of you know just get it in into your door and it's ready to go and you're just eating it straight away and it's like actually you're missing that big process of cooking you know we're constantly connected whether it be to our phones to our laptops to our ipads to a tv um you know and and cooking you and when you're following a recipe you actually have to take that time to just Stop doing whatever, whatever else you're doing and just get involved in the process. And, like you say, then you get connected a bit more to your mind and to your body and what you're doing and, and the whole eating experience as well. You know, too many people just sit there and watch TV while they're eating. And actually, if you can take the time, whether it just be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, to actually eat your food, if you've got somebody else there, engage with that person, you know, that's a really big sort of um, thing that's missing in a lot of people's day to day lives mm. now as, as we're sort of constantly on the go and and working harder and online is actually that connectivity with other people.
2: Yeah, you have the... I love the reviews either on our... We have a kind of secret Facebook community for thousands of customers or on the Trustpilot type pages where people write things like, oh, I never used to cook, but now I have um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a night where I have three of your meals a week and I'll just spend half an hour, whatever it is, and I'll put my phone upside down in the corner either listen to a podcast or the radio or some music, whatever, but I'll just be in the moment just cooking up a dish. I'll get out 12 fresh ingredients and I'll just rustle up a dinner and I'll have, kind of, eat the rainbow will be in front of me and I'll be eating a load of fruit and veg, I'll be feeling good, but I'll also just be completely mentally switched off rather than, you know, rather than eating a ready meal and, I don't know, glued to your phone thinking about emails at nine o'clock And it's night. so
0: easily done. Like, we we all have to work so hard to not go down that route. It's you know it's so tempting that you know it's there there could be an email to answer i know that i'm guilty of that certainly if oh who's that ringing on my doorbell <laughs> it was at this point that the doorbell rang and i promise you what happened next was a total coincidence <laughs> guess what's being delivered a mindful chef box <laughs> oh look at that <laughs> hey, it's like it was arranged In- that
2: is brilliant <laughs>
0: Let's see what's in there. So I always go for the vegan options because I've been vegan now since September. I know, Fully. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. It was an experiment, but Jesse's also on board now. This wasn't, this genuinely wasn't This wasn't staged, planned. I mean, it was not staged. That's so weird. Um, so, right, let me get the, the booklet. So I've got number four. So I've got three meals here. What am I going to eat tonight? Teriyaki tofu with tender stem and carrot noodles. I mean, mm. look at that. That is going to take me 30 minutes. I I cooked that up the other night, actually, um, like at
1: a demonstration thing. It went down very well.
0: Number 13. What else have we got? Roasted pepper lentils and olives with tender stem. Anything with olives is absolutely a dream. 15 minutes. That might be tonight because (laughs) I've got (laughs) all four kids here and I'm going to be absolutely knackered. Number eight. Creamy coconut and chickpea korma. That's a bit of Jesse That's Wood, that is. The That's Jesse a bit of Jesse Wood. Yeah, he loves a bit of a <laughs> curry. Well, I can't wait for that this evening. I'm very excited. So there are my bags. The, re- the uh, ingredients are there. And so in there, Matt, Matt's going, what's in there? So in here, Chilled produce. Yeah. yeah, so you've got bits and bobs that need to go in the fridge quite soon so um, what I mean that I also, is good timing isn't it that, timing. Like, that actually wasn't timing. arranged so what I also love I mean I've got so many things to talk to you about but what I love now we've just opened said box is that everything is measured out exactly so you've got Zero food waste. And anyone out there, like myself and you, Milo, um, if you've got kids, it's so hard to not have food waste. If they're fussy, if they're not eating what you put in front of them, if you make too much, if I've got all four kids and I'm trying to cook and guess how much everyone needs. But this... So ideal that at the end of the day, you'll you'll make the meal, you will eat the meal, there is no waste.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a no-brainer, isn't it? It just makes it really simple for you, I think. And um, even if you don't have kids, I mean, I know my old clients and Gilo and, and the rest of people, you know, you just end up doing a bigger shop and then, you know as we said it's just all busier like people don't it's not the same as it used to be you know people don't go on a sunday to the big supermarket and do a huge shop anymore shopping's really disjointed you're either getting some sort of takeout you're going to your local shop then you're hopefully getting a mindful chef and then Mm. you might go out with a friend and you know so it's really disjointed during the week and you end up just wasting food not only do you feel a bit guilty about it anyway because you have to throw it away but it is quite a serious issue you know it's like the third biggest Contributor to climate change, yeah. so, so actually, that's what we really liked about um, when we thought, how can we get fresh produce from supplier to people's homes really quickly? Saw resting boxes away, and that was one of the big reasons why we wanted to start this. Was oh, okay, actually, you completely get rid of food waste, so that that's really cool, like sort of aspect mm. of it. We
2: we often actually we often forget that when we're doing you know we do startup talks etc. And you don't that was one of the reasons why we started the business, but you don't often. Um, talk about that as much but the the whole supply chain is absolutely it's almost reinventing the supply chain in terms of um behind supermarkets obviously they're you know if you've got a big supermarket in one area they've got to guess to an extent um and forecast how many apples the supermarket will need that week and obviously it's it it, it's educated guessing games but it's it's exactly that whereas with us we're saying because of the way that the system works you have a cut off and we know Fern's box has been ordered by Thursday at midnight she'll get it on Sunday for example and so we know exactly what we need from suppliers so we have it's it's something like 0.25% wastage compared wow. to much higher at, at, at the supermarket level so it's pretty cool because you can just go well we need exactly these many items and they come so they come in and they get packed in the boxes and out they go so it's reducing so much food waste that happens behind the scenes not just at the can you know at, at the level of the consumer mm. where you look in your fridge and go oh I've, I've got a wilted bag of spinach i've got to chuck away that now
0: yeah it's tricky because again you know we we can do our bit and we can try you know compost our food or also buy correct amounts if we can or batch cook or freeze things but it's not always realistic and also some of it is out of our control like you say when you go to some supermarkets they are all about the display and these huge piles of bread huge piles of carrots and you just think well what by friday if that if they've not all sold where are they going i don't know we're not it's not transparent enough for us to have that understanding so i think if you know exactly, you know what you're going to eat, and that you're, and it, at the end of the meal there is nothing to show for, then that is a nice feeling because we all want to do what we can to stop our planet from suffering as much as it is it's under so much strain and and i think some of the time the control is unfortunately taken out of our hands so it's nice when you can pull a bit of it back
2: yeah with, with our with our bags that you just took out of the box pop them in your fridge and then at the end of the week it's nice just looking in the fridge and going
0: oh it's empty yeah, Brilliant. <laughs> yeah and you can clean your fridge yeah. <laughs> another bonus so just rewinding a little bit because as i'm massively interested in the food side of it and the dietary side of it and the environmental side of it but also I'm very intrigued about your own personal drive and and how you made this happen so so you're you're at the stage that you described a moment ago where you're you've got this set up but it's mainly for your friends and your family and you're kind of using it as a bit of a trial period to see if it works how do you keep the faith that this is going to actually turn out well and you're going to be you know one day having your own office and and supplying the whole country (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it's a journey. Really? Yeah, I
1: think I think if you'd said to us, you know, maybe even 2 years ago, let alone Five years ago, I think we've been going now. Oh, you'd be sat in Fern's house doing a podcast at the moment, three blokes or two <laughs> blokes in Devon. I'd be like, absolutely not. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it takes a lot of hard work. It's not easy. Um, a lot of companies come and go since we've been around as well, doing a similar thing. Um, we're quite lucky. We've got different backgrounds and what we bring to the business. We've always hired really smart, intelligent, hungry, generally younger people around us as well we're not afraid to go oh you know more let's bring you into the business and you can help out but also you know in the early days we were still working several jobs you know Giles went full-time first I didn't go until a year later used to do 40 hours PTing and then do 20 hours working packing boxes with Giles and sort of we decided to only send on a Sunday and Monday initially as well. So lost the weekend there. Didn't quite
0: think oh, that one through. Horrendous forward planning. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's yeah. it. But, um, but you know, you just, yeah, it's just a hard work. I remember Giles and I would, um, you know, deli- deliver all the boxes ourselves. We'd walk around like central London with our little box, like going into gyms and studios going, oh, we've got this idea. Could you tell your clients about it? You know, begging for favours from friends, everyone. And I suppose, you know, gradually just, continue to grow you get a bit of momentum um we didn't have very much money so it was all just asking for favors essentially from everyone and then um and then finally had that momentum got a little bit of money into the business and then as you say you sort of get a slightly bigger warehouse unit not still not very big um and then you start getting your first team member or your second team member you're like oh, okay maybe maybe we're onto to something but you know we're still Every year, you know, there's the next thing and you want to grow and do something else. So you're constantly striving to do do something a bit more.
0: And how much of a strain did that put on your friendship? Because that's obviously been going a lot longer than the business. So how has that fared? Have you learned new things about each other from, you know, changing the dynamic of, of your relationship?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're quite... We're relatively chilled blokes-ish. <laughs> um, so you kind of... You, there's massive ups and downs, and actually, lots of oh, friends.
0: Right, <laughs> 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 the roller coaster of the, the roller and Milo.
2: yeah, the startup roller coaster. But it it is true you go through up, loads of ups and downs. The highs are really high, the lows are really low. But you, it, as long as you, I mean, it, it helps with us that we're our professional backgrounds are coming from completely different places. Milo, health, nutrition, myself, brand and marketing. So you don't number one, you don't butt heads in that way. You're not both two, two bankers who will just have the same skill sets and, and clash the whole time, which you hear a bit. But so you have that. But also, I think you've just got to accept, look in the early days, particularly when Milo was talking about the packing element, like, we sometimes on weekends, you you'd do Monday to Friday in the office, which was our apartment, and then saturday sunday we'd go down to the warehouse initially it was us and um a, a couple of um friends and then us, us and a couple of staff but you get there at like on sundays some days it would be get there at six thirty in the morning on a sunday pack all, all day and then about 6 p.m when the boxes are gone out with couriers um after we stopped driving our van because we realized we could only do like 40 drops and that was us done we would then go home and then one of our mobiles would take the the kind of the landline would direct to our mobiles and we'd be the customer service team as well and I remember at that time I remember coming home one day actually um to Charlotte my fiance and I and I I just remember being almost at the edge I was just like it was a miserable January evening it was it was dark and wet and I got home and I just remember sitting by sitting sitting my mobile by uh, a radiator in the corner of the room just going Oh my goodness. This is not the dream. And it's quite in a weird way, although you do clash sometimes. It's quite nice to have another person on that journey so you can chat through the stresses and the strains and you have really good highs and you have really low lows. But um having someone I think helps massively. I have loads of respect for people who start businesses on their own because I think wow, that that, that must be tough. Mm. Um so yeah, it's a it's a it is a journey, but it's um you kind of as I think as you said every week the numbers were going up so it makes you think oh we're on something and um particularly with like online food i mean still even with all the big boys like ocado online online grocery only accounts for seven percent of total grocery sales really yeah so 93 percent of all grocery sales in the uk are offline um and if you if you include that ocado tesco all the big guys you just think wow there's going to be a shift here, and we're part of that shift. Um, we're just a really small guy trying to punch above our weight, um, but it was fun, you know. We, you'd be you'd be driving the van around South London. I would be on the Instagram trying to grow the following, go and follow fifty accounts, I'll then just, unfollow just them.
1: Selfies <laughs> of Giles and just head, out, head out of the window, sunshine stopped. behind him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're quite lucky as well. We're not, um, you know, we are we are slightly different ages, so we've also got like our own circle of friends outside as well, you know, separate to the ones just from school or whatever it is. So we're not in each other's pockets like seven days a week, the whole time. So you're also able to go and, you know, take a break every now and again, which Jars tells me he needs. So uh, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, you definitely have ups and downs, but you know, no, we're, yeah we're we're here together we're still smiling but this is
0: amazing because um it kind of breaks that myth that you know you should never work with friends which i've had loads of people talk about and i've heard of loads of relationships go disastrously wrong because you know friends have tried to start something together or one's hired the other and it doesn't work because the dynamic is just too different but you've managed to navigate that and as you say you're sat here now still friends
1: i think as long as you're like Really open, honest, transparent about what you want. And, you know, we're quite lucky and we, we've always had similar goals and sort of direction of where we want to take the business and what we want to do. And as long as you do that, I think, yeah, you're, you know, and you're good friends, you, it's fine. I think it's when people start hiding things or start, you know, not being as honest or as open as they should be, or necessarily maybe you are just having a lot of lows you know and it, it, it's hard like it isn't easy definitely been times you know where we've probably left each other's company and been like oh for god's sake not a <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it's this guy like, yeah what a De- definitely yeah well all right you said it fun but um, <laughs> you know you definitely yeah you feel that you, you can have those ways but you know i think we've got a really good team around us we've built a good culture you know it, we're lucky we're in Two amazing industries of food, which is really exciting, and it has that impact on people, and then health and wellness as well. And sort of so, you know, it's just a nice industry to be in as well.
0: Are you good at being honest with each other? Because I think um, you know, a lot of friends will find that element difficult. Either asking for something, delegating, or setting boundaries can be near impossible for some people because they don't want to upset their friends or they don't want to be thought of as Different or um demanding or whatever are you are you good at that have you got better at that
2: yeah, I think we are I, th- I think you well we've we've definitely got better at that I'd say you just learn don't you as as the journey goes on um you learn the earlier i think the earlier you can be honest and upfront it helps with any situation um and as we've as we've grown the business um i mean you know that it was it was tiny in the early days. Now we've got fifty-one staff. Um, you just your responsibilities naturally. Um, overlap at times and then as you become bigger you just kind of divide them up in a quite a clear way and as long as you're clear with where those boundaries are and responsibilities lie I think it's that's a recipe for success mm. um but it there's lo- yeah there's loads of crossover
0: and you're good at taking the honesty as well as well as dishing it out if one of you is honest to the other how, how do you react how do you take that
1: think pretty well aren't we what do you oh, think nice. he's giggling no yeah i mean i just i was just laughing at the the question um yeah i mean i can't think of a moment where i've yeah gone and i mean yeah you said oh he's a twat no i haven't really (laughs) felt that or been like oh god giles has said this need a moment i think no i think i don't think there's been that many instances to be honest like we're just quite open quite open and honest like also we played a lot of sports i'm from a family of like four you know two older brothers you you know you've got to be able you've got to be able to take it Jar's got two sisters you know that's not easy growing up so you've got to take (laughs) stuff from them so I think we've got pretty thick skins anyway and you know in this business and if you are growing your own like you have to be um, you have to be able to take it and just sort of Learn from whatever it is, and try and move on
0: mm. let's talk about um something i'm not sure whereabouts this came into into the mindful chef journey, but your incredible charity initiative that I know has taken up a lot of your time energy, and you're deeply passionate about it can you can you explain it to us
1: yes, yeah, so we work with a charity called One Feeds Two. um, And essentially, for every meal our customers buy, uh, we donate a school meal to a child living in poverty. So at the moment, all of our meals go to Malawi. And actually, Giles and I were lucky enough to visit it earlier in 2019 weren't we i think march may time but yeah about a year ago ago. about a year ago um which is amazing we hadn't gone for i think we started with them at the end of 2017 sort of started this initiative and we never had the money to be able to do it you know like flights and then also you have got to pay for accommodation etc over there and it's quite a big ground thing for you just to go in and just be able to go and visit all the schools so we were always like well we'd rather the money went towards the charity rather than pay for us to go out and see it and then it got to the point where we thought okay well to really be able to tell this story you know it's that sort of tangible aspect of we're doing it it's it's amazing and it we know it makes a difference but it's so far away and especially for a lot of our community and customers as well so we thought okay well if we can go tell the story a bit better, see it come back with our own stories and experiences as well, then surely that will help sort of grow the awareness. Um, And it's amazing, like uh, sort of exclusive. We've just gone through two million meals now, which was our like big goal for um, 20, sort of 2020. And we're just going to try and increase that as well. Just more initiatives, keep it going. But it is amazing. You know, like I think we we were there with the teachers um, and nobody knows any different. Because, you know, it's just day-to-day life. So everyone's pretty happy. They're just cracking on. Um, But, you know, you ask teachers, so how many of these children... It's one meal a day, and it's essentially their breakfast. And um, you go, so for how many of these children is this their only meal of the day? And uh, they were saying it's probably about 60%, over 60%. This is their one meal of the day. Mm. And um, this is across Africa as well. You know, we were just in one very small part. and, um, And, you know, you think, oh, whoa, that's quite... You know, that's huge. And then they're saying if they didn't have this meal, then they'd have to their parents wouldn't send them to school they'd send them out to either go and find food or to go and work for food um, or work for money so they could have food but actually what, what the program does and what's the great thing about one Feeds 2 is it gets children to go to school their parents force them to go they say you're going to get food fantastic and the only way for these children to get out of poverty themselves is through education Ooh. so we found school attendances are going up they're doing better at, in at school because they're they're full of energy because they've eaten um, so you know, it's just, it's a really nice thing for our community to be involved in. And uh, yeah, we're quite proud of it, aren't we?
2: Yeah, very proud. I, I was amazed when we went over there, I was blown away by that 60% figure because often actually we'll get asked in the UK by customers or maybe when we're doing something on stage, people will say, why don't you support a UK charity a bit closer to home? Um, and we actually do have, we do support a few UK charities. Um, but on this one, we decided in the u k largely there is a safety net um there are soup kitchens et etc et cetera there are homeless shelters in in um africa and specifically in malawi th- there's no safety net so when you know it was it was it was very it was very emotional going but also amazing because they are genuinely most people we met were really happy they didn 't yeah. know any different but um yeah there's no safety net so some of them um were barefoot walked to school for two hours through the countryside got there, and that one meal that was donated by the Michael chef customers through one vs two was as miles says their only meal and um it's actually good because i think it's got the government involved over there so they um the teachers are telling us that they used to serve it at lunchtime and then the government said no can you can you serve it at breakfast time because then it'll get kids into school on time and therefore they'll be learning more throughout the day and they'll be learning on um full stomachs yeah. so it was really cool to, really powerful and really cool to see and um yeah very emotional and and uh We just thought to ourselves, God, if if our little company can do this, and there are others doing it, but not many at the moment, then, goodness me, what can the big boys do if they all support charities like this?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the change could be insurmountable and, you know, actually changing um, culturally how communities think about education and there's that incentive of their you know their kids getting fed as well it, it, it could create amazing change for for future generations i think it's such a brilliant thing that you're doing yeah, and it's not just
1: dropping aid in you know which is actually quite a big problem for local economies it's actually getting the community involved using the local suppliers bring it into schools using um community workers to make the food you know to drop it off etc etc so actually it's like a big full circle yeah. and a big loop and it works really well within the community
0: who's the better cook out of you difficult is it <laughs>
1: <laughs> i've definitely improved the most <laughs> you probably yeah. had a better starting point yeah. uh, giles can now fry some tofu so. well i've
0: seen you do that very very skillfully as well uh, what are your specialities? what what are your your favorite dishes
2: mine's the um butternut squash ribbons um with meatballs so um yeah the the, the replacing replacing some refined carbs with just taking a butternut squash and using a peeler and creating ribbons out of it and um you we've got a couple of dishes like that one's a kind of a massaman curry style one as well which is
1: really tasty got teriyaki salmon which, if you ask me before, my chef, do you just regularly knock that up on a Tuesday? <laughs> Absolutely not. It'd be like a chilli. Um, and a butternut squash risotto. Mm. That's a vegan based one. That's good as well.
0: Yum. You guys introduced me to jackfruit, actually. I hadn't used it. I was terrified of it before. I didn't trust it. It looked all wobbly in the packet. I thought, I'm not having that. And then um, that was one of my meals. And I was like, OK, I think I'm into jackfruit. And then I included a jackfruit thing in my last cookbook. There you go. There you amazing. go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You're That's so good. amazing. Well look, thank you so much for coming over today. I am going to be imminently rifling through that little bag there and perhaps making the teriyaki tofu, I think, this evening. Delicious. That's the one for me.
2: Thank thanks, thanks for having you
1: us. very much for having us. Thanks, Chad. Pleasure.
0: Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Giles. You wonderful people. Um, And weirdly, I bumped into Giles the day after that in the supermarket. Very strange. Anyway, thanks for dropping by, chaps. Love you lot. Don't forget to subscribe to the new episode of Happy Place Weekly every Monday. You can do that for free via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your smart speaker of choice. And to find out who's on next week's show, Find us on Instagram at happyplaceofficial, where we leave little tiny clues. Thanks again to Miles and Giles and the Mindful Chef team, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you blimmin' lovely lot for listening. I'll see you next Monday.